teaching and learning in nursing. Teaching has become very important in healthcare. Clients and families need information for decision-making. Primary care providers expect patients to take an active role in decision-making about their health. Patients and families need information so they can make these informed decisions. And you can help the patients get answers to the questions, find resources, recognize problems, and develop self-care behaviors. There are now shorter hospital stays. Nurses have a responsibility to teach family members how to provide care and to teach patients to care for themselves as they're able to. Teaching facilitates compliance, insurance hospital stay, and medical compl complications. So it increases patient compliance with the medical and nursing regimens, which in results shortens the hospital stay and decreases the frequency for medical treatments and admissions. Teaching empowers clients and family to perform self-care and make informed decisions about their healthcare options. Teaching clients is part of an independent nursing practice. Like other interventions, you can use teaching to promote wellness, prevent or limit illness, restore health, adapt to changes in body function, and facilitate coping with stress, illness, and loss. ANA states the registered nurse employs strategies to promote health and a safe environment. So the next thing I'm going to talk about are specific measurement criteria that are used for this standard. You need to provide health teaching that addresses topics such as healthy lifestyle, risk reduction behavior, development needs, and activities of daily living. Use health promotion and health teaching methods appropriate to the situation and the patient's values, beliefs, health practices, and patient's developmental level, learning needs, readiness, and ability to learn. You need to seek opportunities for feedback and evaluation of the effective strategies used. This is also addressed by the Joint Commission and in the Patient Care Partnership. So why do nurses need teaching skills? Health promotion and maintenance. We help patients to value health and develop specific health practices that promote wellness. Examples of this include teaching passive exercises to a patient with left-sided paralysis, or teaching cooking for good nutrition to a group of middle school children. Preventing illness. This is a major theme in health teaching and counseling. It results in early detection. An example of this would be counseling patients who are at high risk for heart disease, explaining preventative health screenings, restoring health. So the focus is on developing self-care practices that promote recovery. This ensures quick recovery from trauma and illness. Examples include pre- and post-operative teaching, lifestyle counseling for a patient with an ostomy, we facilitate coping, working with the patients and families to help everyone learn to come to terms with illness and lifestyle modifications that are necessary. So who do nurses teach? We teach nearly everyone that we come in contact with. 
So as a nurse, you may instruct a nursing assistant personnel when you observe an error in their technique. You can help a new nurse learn how to use equipment on the unit. Our nurses are also involved in clinical instruction of nursing students, new graduates, and other members of the healthcare team. And most of the teaching can be informal, um, although you might present specific topics at a unit meeting or conference. For example, if there's a change in the agency's documentation system, you might teach a class to nurses on your shift to learn this new system. What do nurse, nurses teach? Disease information, so that's the signs and symptoms, treatments, and evaluation. Information about medications, do this every time we give a medication. We talk about the side effects and the dosing schedules. Procedures, it's the explanation of the actual procedure, activity, or diet restriction. So before you put an IV in, you would talk through the process of the steps you're gonna take. Disease prevention and health promotion. This can be for individuals, families, and communities. So teaching can prevent complications and promote recovery, self-care, and independence. 70% of the deaths in the United States are due to chronic illnesses. Whether patients adequately manage their health problems and maintain quality of life depends on what they learn about their condition and what they choose to do with this knowledge. Patients who understand their discharge teaching, including how to take their medications and when to follow up with their healthcare providers, are 30% less likely to be readmitted or visit the emergency department than patients who did not receive this information. And keep in mind that every interaction is a potential teachable moment. Teaching requires good communication skills. You need to be adequately convey, convey the information, assess verbal and nonverbal feedback, and accommodate various learning styles. In patient education, nurses can use teaching, counseling, and behavioral modifications together to achieve effective client learning. Desired learner outcomes must be established prior to the onset of teaching. And, and identifying these learner outcomes serves as a guide for choosing the learning activities. Teaching is not just imparting information. It's a process of deliberately arranging conditions to promote learning that results in a behavior change. It can be planned or spontaneous. It can use a combination of methods, such as instruction, counseling, and behavior modification. And it involves the patient, the caregivers, and you. So components of a teaching plan. Teaching strategy. These are the methods that are used to present the content. So an example would be a lecture, demonstration and return, one-on-one -on -one instruction, mentoring. The content. This includes the information your learner must understand to reach the desired goal. It includes facts, skills, or emotions. Scheduling and sequencing. As a general rule, you should present simple before complex topics and non-threatening topics before more controversial ones. You must 
also determine when the teaching sessions should be scheduled based on the client and teacher needs. When extensive content is involved, it's probably best to schedule a teaching session in advance. The teacher and the learner are committed and prepared for the session. And using smaller amounts of times can be effective if the teaching is brief and organized. Instructional materials. These are the tools that are used to introduce information and reinforce learning. Tests and written exercises. These can be used to measure retention and progress towards meeting cognitive objectives. This method requires a learner to be actively involved and have adequately adequate literacy skills. Evaluating learning. Oral questions, interviews, questionnaires, and checklists. These allow clients to evaluate their own progress and determine future learning needs. You may obtain more information by talking with the patient. However, you may obtain more honest responses by using written questions and providing for anonymous completion of evaluation. Direct observation of performance. These are anecdotal descriptive notes that you make of the learner's performance. They will help you in providing feedback to the client, either to reinforce, reinforce accurate learning or to correct misinformation. Provide feedback as soon as possible after you observe the performance. Client report or records. Clients and or families can keep records of performance and results. You can then evaluate the data and give feedback accordingly. Documentation of the performance is best when following criteria or other clear expectations. You can make plans for further teaching when you analyze the data and determine the learner's knowledge deficits. Documenting teaching and learning. Documentation. This provides legal evidence that teaching was done and communicates the information to other health professionals. Written objective statements about what was taught and the client's skills and behaviors that demonstrate learning. For informational teaching that occurs during other care activities, you may simply record it in the nursing notes. For planned teaching that is provided frequently for a particular population of clients, many agency provides special documentation forms. So implementation of the plan. Include what was taught and the materials used. The evaluation results. Document the response of the patient and the family to the teaching interventions. Learning is a process by which a person acquires or increases knowledge or changes behavior in a measurable way as a result of the experience. You assume the role of teacher and your patient assumes the role of learner when there are identified learning needs. Learning may result in observable change or the potential to change. Keep in mind that patients always retain the right to use or not to use the acquired information or skills. Conscious, goal-oriented learning is intended and deliberate. It involves the motivation to learn. 
and learning can occur, occur in a role manner, informally by circumstance or by formal instruct, instruction, or by a combination of approaches. People learn in three domains, cognitive, psychomotor, and affective. The ability of patients to manage their daily life depends on the extent to which their cognitive, psychomotor, and affective learning result in a behavioral change. Consider all these domains when utilizing the nursing process to teach your patients. Cognitive, that's thinking. Storing and recalling new knowledge to the brain. This involves memorization, recall, comprehension and analysis, synthesis, application and evaluation of ideas. It's intellectual. It includes lecture, written material, problem-based learning like case studies and care plans. An example of cognitive would be patient describes how smoking affects the body. Psychomotor, this is the hands-on skill. Learning a physical skill. Mental and muscular activity. Demonstration return. Demonstration simulation. It involves imitating and performing new skills. An example of this would be patient demonstrates how to give self-injections, or new mothers observe swaddling her newborn. Effective, or the feelings. This is a change in attitudes, values, feelings. It's receiving and responding to new ideas. It's role modeling, role playing, mentoring, counseling and discussion. Examples of this would be patient expresses self-confidence after a physical therapy session. Factors that can affect client learning. Motivation. This is the internal impulse, such as emotion or physical pain, that encourages the patient to take action or change their behavior. It is created by an idea, a physical need, an emotion, or some other kind of force. Motivation is greatest when clients recognize the need for learning, believe that it's possible to improve their health, and are interested in the information they are being given. Readiness to learn. This is a demonstration of behaviors that indicate the learner is both motivated and able to learn at a specific time. Physical condition, so this includes physical factors like pain, strength, coordination, energy, mobility, and intact cognition contribute to a patient's readiness to learn. Emotions, severe anxiety, stress, or emotional pain can interfere with the ability to learn. In addition, the learning itself and the idea that behaviors must be changed can create anxiety. However, a mild level of anxiety can actually enhance learning by providing motivation. Timing. People retain information better when they have an opportunity to use it soon after it's presented. For some concepts, the learner might need more time to be able to absorb and apply the information, especially when more complex things are required. Active involvement. Learning is more meaningful when the client is actively engaged in the planning and learning activities. 
Learners retain 10% of what they read, but retain 90% of what they speak and do. Feedback given. Positive feedback encourages learners and boosts morale when it comes to tackling difficult content or devoting the time and effort needed to get the most out of the educational process. Repetition. The client is more likely to retain information and incorporate it into his or her life if the content is repeated. Each time the learner hears the information, the likelihood of retention increases. Learning environment. An ideal learning environment is private, quiet, quiet, physically and psychologically comfortable, and free from distractions. The scheduling of the session. So plan for uninterrupted time to allow you to adequately assess and understand the client. The teaching time does not need to be long, it just needs to be uninterrupted. Based on the client's condition, so the activity, intolerance, attention span, fatigue, shorter teaching sessions may be best for comprehension and retention. The amount and complexity of the content. The more complex or detailed the content, the more difficult it is for most people to learn and retain. In addition, the greater the change, the greater it is, the greater is the challenge for both teacher and client. Teacher-learner communication. Barriers to communication include pain, anxiety, fatigue, illness, hunger, language differences, vision and hearing impairments, cultural factors. Belonging to a special population. So these are the adaptations you make will depend on the nature of the special needs. So if you're not familiar with the patient's condition, you must acquire theoretical knowledge of it. Include a family member, caregiver, or other significant person in the teaching to reinforce the learning and act as a safety net for implementing the information. Developmental stage. So understanding of intellectual development will help you gear your teaching strategy and content to the level of the learner. Culture. Cultural sensitivity involves respect for clients' identity and needs, regardless of who they are, where they're from, how they, how they speak, what religion they practice or not. Health literacy. This is the ability to understand basic health information and services needed to make appropriate healthcare decisions. On the contrary, health illiteracy occurs when the language spoken is not the patient's preferred language. And there are a lot of people in the United States who cannot read or write English. Read, reading literacy is yet another example of significant barrier interfering with the communication between patients and healthcare providers. Health literacy. Health literacy is the ability to obtain, read, understand, and act on health information. Over a third of U.S. adults, 77 million people, have below basic or basic health literacy. 66% of people older than 60 have basic to below basic literacy skills. 
5% are non-literate in English. And this is challenging because patients rarely admit that they have difficulty reading. Even patients with higher general literacy can have low health literacy when trying to understand complex health information. Functional health literacy results in poor patient outcomes, not adherence with treatment plans, limited self-management skills, and increase in health disparities. There are even federal initiatives that made health literacy a national priority to improve the health of all Americans. So this is challenging because healthcare information and directions have traditionally been written at a 10th grade level or higher, while educational material is generally more easily understood when written at a fifth grade level. You need to tailor patient teaching to match the patient's level of health literacy. There are various assessment tools that you can use to assess a patient's health literacy. Use translators or translation programs if needed. And again, all patient teaching materials should be written at a fifth grade or lower reading level. Review question. The client needs to be taught how to find and check his own radio pulse. The nurse will complete this teaching. A, only if the client asks her to do so to avoid causing stress. B, when the client recognizes the need to learn the skill. C, before pain medication is administered and the client is alert. Or D, right before the client is discharged so he can remember the skill. The correct answer is B. The client is, will be most motivated to learn when he recognizes why the skill is important to the, the success of his overall treatment plan. Next question. Nurses must possess the knowledge and skills needed for patient, patient teaching so that A, they can complete the documentation forms related to client teaching accurately. B, they can help the hospital meet joint commission standards requiring client teaching. C, they can promote the health, safety, and rights of clients through education. D, they can meet the patient's right delineated in the patient care partnership. The correct answer is C. They can promote the health, safety, and rights of clients through education. <laughs> Learning needs assessment. So the items listed on this slide are all things that need to be assessed prior to the beginning teaching with your client. Through these assessments, you'll be able to identify factors that will enable you to tailor your teaching to your client's specific needs and capability. Make sure that you teach at a level appropriate to the patient that will meet their learning needs. So the ability to learn, this includes physical factors like pain and coordination, as well as emotions, stress and anxiety that may interfere with the patient's ability to learn. 
Motivation. Great is when the patient recognizes a need for learning. And mild anxiety may be a motivating factor. So think of a diabetic without symptoms. They may not be that motivated to learn. Readiness to learn. This includes both physically and emotionally. You need to look for behaviors that indicate a patient is motivated and able to learn at a specific time. Patients may not be ready for teaching right before a diagnostic procedure as they are unable to focus on the material. Readiness to learn is increased if a patient perceives a need for the information. If they have a belief that a behavior change has value, they perceive the learning activities as new and stimulating. Positive reinforcement is a strong motivator and needs to be incorporated throughout the change process. Another thing to keep in mind is timing. So people retain information better when they have an opportunity to use the information soon after. It's important to keep in mind the learning characteristics of each generation as well. Millennials, 1981 to 2000. They're known to be more autonomous, multitaskers. They prefer interactive and virtual environments. Technology focused, so provide access to the internet in the patient's room, discuss reliable websites, download, download information to cell phones or iPads. And they tend to have a short attention span as well. Generation X, 1965 to 1980. They're more into group interaction, so group teaching sessions or support groups. Role-directed learning, role-playing. More self-reliant as well, so internet-based materials work great for them. Baby Boomers, 1946 to 1964. There's more of an emphasis on self-knowledge, so consider lecture discussions like PowerPoint presentations. They acquire knowledge from authoritative sources. A lot of times in the hospitals and outpatient settings, there are TV channels that are dedicated to various patient education topics. Also provide printed material for them. Veterans, born before 1946. There's an emphasis on rote learning. Rote learning is a memorization technique based on repetitive base on the idea that one will be able to quickly recall the meaning of the material the more one repeats it. So consider lecture or lecture discussion format and use pictures as well as printed material. There are three primary learning styles, visual, auditory, and tactile. Visual is learning by seeing, auditory, learning by hearing, tactile, learning by doing. Active learning, people retain 10% of what they read, but 90% of what we see and do. Review question. The client is given a pamphlet to read about how to manage his newly inserted central venous access device. It will be most important for the nurse to assess the client's A, health beliefs, B, literacy level, C, fine motor abilities, or D, ability to see.
The correct answer is D, ability to see. If the client has vision problems, their nurse will have to find another strategy to convey the information. Keys to effective patient teaching. You need to provide an ideal learning environment. Private, quiet, comfortable, free from distractions. Avoid too much detail and stick to the basic. This will help keep the content clear. Plan for uninterrupted time and not necessarily long. Consider your barriers to communication. Pain, hunger, language, cultural, environment, anxiety, fatigue. Your learning goals should be clear, attainable, and measurable. Relate to the intended outcome of the learning process. Guide the selection of teaching strategies. Help evaluate the patient's progress and are parallel to patient outcomes in the nursing care plan. You, your patient, and the patient's caregiver must mutually prioritize learning goals and develop a plan for the teaching learning experience. Also consider standardized nursing care plans may be available. They must be individualized and modified based on a patient's unique social, cultural, and learning characteristics. These frequently contain evidence-based knowledge and skills that patients and caregivers need to know concerning specific health problems or procedures. Continuing on, keep in mind that repetition helps significantly. Each exposure increases the likelihood of retention. And be sure to include feedback. Provide information about the learner's performance. Positive feedback is encouraging and boosts morale. Don't seem judgmental and obtain feedback as you teach. Barriers to effective teaching. The nurse may have various barriers. Barriers in time opportunity to prepare the teaching, space or privacy, not seen as a priority, the amount of documentation that's involved, reimbursement issues, lack of coordination between providers. Barriers to effective teaching on the learner side. They may be feeling stress, anxiety, overwhelmed. Their physical condition may be a barrier. The environment, they may have a lack of support, the lack of time to learn, the complexity of the healthcare system, maybe a communication gap, inappropriate teaching style use, and lack of perceived need. So a teaching strategy is what you do to promote learning. This must be planned before the actual session and multiple factors influence strategies that you choose, including your familiarity with the strategy, the availability of resources and aids, and factors affecting the patient's learning. It's recommended that you use a variety of these teaching strategies to enhance learning. So group or individual discussion, teach back. So several participants discuss topics exchanging information, and presenting their points of view. 
the teacher acts as a facilitator to achieve objectives shared with the group at the beginning of the session. Effective group discussion requires an atmosphere of trust that encourage everyone to participate. There must be openness to new ideas and confidentiality of the content expressed. One example of this group discussion would be brainstorming. Demonstration return or showback. The teacher explains and demonstrates a skill or task. The learner then demonstrates this comprehension by returning the demonstration. Return demonstration should be scheduled close to the initial teaching of the skill. This format allows for targeted questions and answers and practical matters rather than theory. And this method requires a demonstrator to have a specialized expertise if it's highly technical skill. So this would be like showing a patient how to do a dressing change and then they do a dressing change. Simulation, showing the patient how to give an injection using an orange. Role play, this gives a chance to experience, relive, or anticipate an event. You can explain the scenario and then allow the patient to play out the scene. So an example of this would be, if a pregnant teen is preparing to tell their parents, they would act out the situation, pretending the nurse is the mother. And this is the most appropriate use to promote the use of coping skills by the patient. Audiovisual materials. These may include streaming videos, computer animation, or computer generation material. They can be effective supplements to other methods if the teaching session is followed by question and answer session. Printed materials. These may be available in the form of fact sheets, discharge instructions, printed pamphlets, or detailed booklets. Your client's literacy level must be assessed beforehand. Online sources of information. So learners can obtain extensive information and support geared towards the lay public as well as healthcare professionals via the internet. Electronic learning platforms offer education through multimedia, search engines, electronic libraries, as well as social networking sites and blogs. Lecture. The information is presented verbally to the patients. And this also might be used with written material as well. One-to-one -one instruction and mentoring. One teacher presents information to an individual learner. Concept mapping. This is a diagram that visually represents relationships between concepts and ideas. rights of patient teaching. This is just something to consider. You don't need to memorize this for the test. Consider the right time. Is the patient family ready and free from pain or anxiety? And are they motivated? Have you established a trusting relationship? The right context. Is this the appropriate environment for teaching? Right goal. Is the learner involved in planning the goals? 
Is the objective goal realistic? The right content. Is it appropriate for the patient's needs? Is it presented at a level the patient can understand? The right method. Do the teaching strategies fit the learning style? Consider group versus individual teaching. So for addressing changes, it'd be more appropriate to teach on an individual level. However, if you're teaching newborn care, it might make sense to use a group setting. Also consider formal versus informal teaching. Informal happens more frequent and is unplanned to a degree, while formal teaching is planned. The Joint Commission has many different speak-up initiatives specific to certain topics. This one encourages patients to speak up and be active participants in their healthcare. So the initiative states, speak up if you have concerns or questions. Pay attention to the care you get. Educate yourself about your illness. Ask a trusted family member or friend to be your advocate. Know what meds you take and why you take them. Use a hospital, clinic, surgery center that has been carefully checked out. Participate, participate in all decisions about your treatment. Promoting compliance with teaching. Be certain instructions are understandable and support patient goals. You need to include the patient and the family members as partners in the process. You need to utilize interactive teaching strategies. Lastly, develop interpersonal relationships with the patients and their families. Things to consider for teaching older adults. When you're doing your presentation, you should use large print. Avoid blue, green, or lavender, because it's difficult to differentiate between the colors. Fonts should be bold, black, and a minimum size 18. Should avoid fancy cursives as well. There should be non-glare, simple backgrounds. You should decrease background noise. You should speak slowly, but in a normal tone. If you need to speak up, don't sound demeaning. And only introduce one to three topics, so not to overwhelm the learner. Make sure that you reinforce content with follow-up opportunities. It's important that you develop culturally competent education. First and foremost, that you understand the patient's culture. That you develop the written material in the native language of the patient. You should use pictures and visual aids. Speak slowly and clearly using short sentences if English is not the patient's primary language. And use an interpreter whenever possible. Always make sure that you document that you use the interpreter. Should also consider observing the family dynamic. Who's the decision maker? Consider same-sex nurses for certain topics, like the discussion of birth control. You might want to choose a female nurse. And consider what the cultural norms are. 
are they past, present, or future oriented? The nursing process. The nurse relies on the steps of the nursing process when constructing an individualized teaching plan to meet the patient's teaching and learning needs. The first step is to do an assessment. Perform a learning assessment to help determine the right setting for the teaching. The next step is a diagnosis. So for this example, it's deficient knowledge. So as a primary problem, this NANDA is appropriate when the patient needs new, additional, or extensive knowledge. So an example of this would be deficient knowledge related to lack of prior exposure as evidenced by anxiety and patient asking many questions. The next step is planning. First, make sure you have mutually set goals and keep in mind the context, the time frame, and the expectation. Try to include all three domains of learning. During the implementation phase, use the planned teaching strategies to present the patient and caregiver's information and teaching new skills. Incorporate verbal and nonverbal communication, listening, and empathy. Consider the patient's physical, psychological, social cultural, and learning characteristics. Determine how much participation the patient can assume. Involve caregivers whenever possible and appropriate. Remember the importance of reinforcement and reward when you're teaching adults, but never do it in a condescending tone. The last step is evaluation. And this is the measure of the degree to which the patient has achieved their learning goals. Evaluation strategies for teaching include showback, or the observation of the patient directly, observation of verbal and nonverbal cues, teachback, discussion with the patient or caregiver, patient self-evaluation of the progress, Keep in mind that assumptions regarding patient knowledge and skills can be dangerous. Evaluate all past and new learning, as well as present ability. Follow-up after discharge enables long-term evaluation of learning goals. So written appointment and referrals should be given to the patient and the caregiver. Documentation should be included and it should be complete and clear and be available to all members of the healthcare team. Common mistakes. The nurses may use medical jargon, overload the patient with information, choosing the wrong time to present the information, not evaluating what the patient has learned or failing to document the teaching and plan for follow-up. Discharge teaching points. Make sure that you document all of the points that we're gonna go over. Medicare and other insurance companies may not reimburse if the patient is readmitted for the same condition and that was not done. So make sure that you document the reason for admission, current and new medications, follow-up appointments and contact info, options for care at home, like home health, 
reasons to seek additional care and or call 911, medical equipment, activity once home. So can they bathe? How do they clean? Can they drive? And special skills, like do they know how to do their dressing changes? Are they able to do their injections at home? Review question. A patient is newly diagnosed with diabetes. Need to learn how to use a glucometer. The nurse knows that the use of a glucometer constitutes which of the following? A, effective learning. B, cognitive learning. C, motivational learning. D, psychomotor learning. And the answer is D, psychomotor learning. Next question. The physician prescribes a new drug with which the nurse is unfamiliar. She consults the hospital formulary to learn about the drug. What learning domain is a nurse utilizing? Cognitive. Next question. The nurse provides post-operative instructions for an adult patient after cataract surgery. Which written statement, if provided by the nurse, would be the most appropriate? A, to avoid contamination of the eye, use a septic technique when applying eye drops. B, conjunctivitis may result if the eye is contaminated with wet or dirty eye patches. C, to prevent infection in the eye, wash your hands before changing the eye patch or using eye drops. Or D, coughing and bending over can cause increased interocular pressure, resulting in retinal damage or displacement of the interocular lens. And the answer is C, to prevent infection in the eye, wash your hands before changing the eye patch or using eye drops. This one has no medical language. The medical language may be intimidating and frightening to patients and should be avoided. This is the end of the PowerPoint presentation. Please reach out if you have any questions. Thank you.